Welcome to another episode of the University of Washington Thrivecast, the podcast designed to help School of Medicine faculty thrive. I'm Trish Critic, and I'm back with Dr. Addie McClintock. I'm hoping that you all listened to our previous podcast, last month's podcast on how to create psychological safety so that you can now engage in the process of having a feedback conversation with a learner. And again, we're really focusing on learners. I do think a lot of this applies to feedback in a lot of other spaces, but today's conversation is focusing on learners. So Addie, thank you so much for making the time to have two conversations with me. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. So today, um, I want to kind of really solely focus on this model that you have for how to approach having a feedback conversation with a learner. So maybe let's start off with like, what is that model? And then we'll kind of dig into it a little bit. Yeah, great. So the model is called prepare to adapt and it stands for prepare. And then adapt is ask, discuss, ask, and plan together. Okay. So we'll get into the ask, discuss, ask, plan together, but I'm a big fan of preparing and I love that it's in the mnemonic. So what all fits into the bucket of prepare? And I'm going to say, we know that some of that is all the psychological safety stuff we talked about before, but what else fits into the space of prepare? Frankly, this is all the work of the feedback. This is like 99.5% of what you want to do before you have a discussion. Um, And it's, you know, you can kind of sometimes think of it as the pre-rounding of feedback, right? Like we would never go take care of a patient without looking in their chart first. It's the same idea. We need to spend a little bit of time thinking about, you know, sometimes it starts with like, this is what I think about what I saw. And then the prepare is really to walk it back to give them the meaningful and actionable pieces that they can use. Yeah, I think um, I really appreciate that you're like, this is it. Like, Everyone focuses on the, the conversation, but it's really all the stuff you do before the conversation that's going to matter. So for me, a lot of times that's focusing on setting expectations, which we talked about a little bit before. I'm yeah. curious before we talk about kind of gathering data, because I think that's in the prepare too, but how do you go about setting expectations that you're going to give feedback with your learners and kind of setting the stage for that? Yeah. Like we, uh, I briefly mentioned in podcast one that I have a little spiel I give um, for a new, anytime I have sort of a new team working together. And that includes things like we mentioned in the first one, who I am, who you are, all of that relationship building. And it also includes things like, I'm going to give you feedback after every patient encounter and naming it for them. This is like days, hours before I'm actually going to give them any feedback, but they know that after every time we walk out of a patient room together, I'll just do it on our way to the team room. You know, it's quick and um, gives them the sense that you're going to hear a lot. And it helps to lower the stakes of any individual item is really part of what that's doing, but also just giving them the mindset that this is, this is feedback. I'm labeling it for you now. (laughs) Yeah. I, I like, I know that there's like a long conversation we could have about the fact that we often give feedback and people don't know we gave feedback. So labeling it is important. I also have learned the hard way that if you don't start off a relationship with a set of learners saying, I'm going to give feedback and it's going to be in the moment. And, and the reason I do that is because I think that helps us grow and learn and kind of walk people through that. That's the environment that, that you're creating. 
it can completely shock people if you start doing that. Cause I did that and got some not so great feedback about that <laughs> approach. So I also, whenever I start a, a relationship with a group of learners, whether that's in a clinical setting or in a classroom setting, talk through that that is kind of going to be my approach and why that's going to be my approach. So I, I really appreciate um, your emphasis of that. Yeah. I think the other thing I, I heard you say before is this is where you have to do some intentional observation. So can you, can we talk a little bit more about that gathering of data? Because yeah. feedback is only as good as, as the data you have to put into that conversation. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think the number one thing is if you can really try to focus on behaviors and things that have happened that you directly observed, it is really difficult to give feedback from somebody else's observation because you weren't there, but to use the gift that you have of supervision and observation to take those moments that you want to then talk about later. And what I really sort of want to highlight about those observed behaviors is sometimes we might say something like that person looks nervous. You have observed something that made you think that that person is nervous. So nervous is kind of like the adjective. It's the sort of, I'll call it judgment about what is going on. And what you really want to do is take a minute to back up and think like, what did I see that person do that makes me think that they're nervous and use those words. So for example, you looked nervous, not helpful. You were staring at the floor. You didn't make eye contact. I wonder how that was for you. Um, Much, much harder later, if you're gonna run into some defensiveness or something like that later, it's much harder to argue with an observed behavior than it is a judgment. So, okay observe. And I think that that's important. So you have to observe and focus on behaviors. And I think the other thing that I heard you say, and I think is maybe the hardest thing and takes practice is to have that feeling. Like I felt like this person was dismissive of the person reporting up to them and pausing to say, why, what was the behavior that made me feel like they were dismissive? Was it that they, you know, didn't stop to talk with them? Was it that they were super curt in their and their answers and interrupted or whatever those things are that are the behaviors that make you feel that way. I think that's so important and it's hard. So I think I just want to say to the listeners, this is the thing that takes practice, at least it's taken practice for me to, to be able to do that. But, but doing it with intentionality will make that feedback much more useful. So the kind of observe observation of behaviors and kind of calling yourself out on like, what you're interpreting and, and, and right. why, right? Exactly. Yeah. And sometimes you hear this said as sort of like focus on the what, not the why mm-hmm. um, to sort of, again, name exactly what it was and not what you assign as why. And sort of related to that, this idea of kind of avoiding what we call like binary framing, like they were, for example, a common one is a quiet person might be assigned the narrative of doesn't know things. Whereas the extroverted person who is highly rewarded in medicine is assigned the narrative of knows everything. And I'm sure we've all had the experience of it being the complete opposite. (laughs) And um, just just being sort of mindful of, again, same thing, like, what is the meaning that you're assigning to the things that you've seen and go back to what have I seen? Yeah, I, I, I think that's really important. I also want to say out loud that like, it actually 
takes a little bit of a shift in your mind to do these observations because a lot of times you're just doing your job. <laughs> you're like <Right>. maybe <laughs> taking care of patients, maybe you're teaching, maybe you're doing the work in the lab that you do at the bench and you're just doing your job and, and you're not intentionally observing folks. So I want to just say out loud that that takes focus and time to actually do those types of observations. Yeah. Is there anything else that fits under prepare before we get into the, the ask, discuss, ask? Yeah, I think the other way that you can prepare, um, again, sort of related to all of this idea of trying to find out what the observed behaviors are that you want to give. Another trick you can use there is what I call unpack it, which is sort of like, again, um, you want to think about where your feedback's coming from and where you're suggesting that it goes. So be more assertive is a really common one Mm -hmm. um, that people might hear. And the person hearing that might be like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, should I speak louder? Should I speak more? Should I interrupt people? Should I not let people push me around? Sort of like, what does that mean? And then to you as the feedback giver, what is it that would make them in your mind assertive? And it's also sort of about defining your standards and defining your way of doing things in some ways and making that more explicit for people. So what I mean is talk louder. I can't hear you on rounds, you know, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Or I want you to be a little bit more autonomous in coming up with your plans. Just commit to something. It's fine if it's not right. That's what we're here for. I'm not going to let you do anything unsafe, you know, but just sort of explaining to someone what the changes that you want to see. And although that's kind of part of the plan together, you are eventually going to have a conversation about what it is that you think, you know, we could all do differently. And so having those, again, like really specific in mind, you know, all of these are basically tools to help you give the direct observation and not assign a judgment, which is going to get you into trouble later. I appreciate that. And I think it's a good kind of double check right before you go into having that conversation. So now let's say we're going to have sit down and have a conversation with a learner. Tell me about the rest of the the kind of model for feedback. Yeah. So the ask, discuss, ask is the middle part. And that's really your meat. That's your other (laughs) 0.4% of my 100 that I gave. And, you know, that's really just like any really, you know, I think we learn in medicine all over the place, ask, discuss, ask, Um, but it really is the meat of the discussion. And the what's meaningful about that um, use of ask, discuss, ask is to reinforce that this is a discussion, <laughs> that this is a two-way discussion. And I think in a more um, not so different model from not so long ago, it was a, this is what it was. This is what I saw. And this is my one-way delivery of information to you, trainee. And so I think really just emphasizing that it's a discussion. And I'll often start that with just, how do you think that went? And I will acknowledge that trainees often tell me that they hate this question. And I will admit that the reason I ask it is um, to ask you to do a couple things. So I'll usually just start with the ask, how do you think that went? And I will acknowledge that trainees do not like this question. They tell me that very often. Um, Sometimes what I hear is, why do we have to go through this performative exercise when you're just going to tell me how it went? And that is potentially true. But there's two kind of important things that are actually happening in my mind with that question. One is 
very shortly, this person is going to be on their own without a supervising physician um, or other, you know, teacher or supervisor to give them feedback. And it's extremely important in all aspects of your life to think about how that went Mm -hmm. (laughs) and to take a minute to reflect on something that's, you know, you want to potentially do differently or felt not so good to you. The second is I'll acknowledge that I'm asking you to do me a favor, which is I really would like to know before we start talking where you are on what just happened. Do we have a shared model of what just happened or do we have a shared model at all of what's going on here? Because I would like to know if I'm going to need to do a little bit of more work to sort of get us to the same page. And that, again, to the point of discuss, maybe that I need to learn something different about what I didn't know about what you were doing. But it may also be that we just need to first get some common ground before we go anywhere else. It's not going to go anywhere if we don't have sort of a shared understanding. Yeah, I think that that first ask, I also have had learners say like, I don't know, (laughs) kind of sigh. I've also had people really appreciate it and share a fair amount there. And it is so helpful to understand where somebody's coming from, because sometimes they're way more critical than I actually yes, am. And I absolutely. need to kind of lift them up. And I want to know that beforehand. Or as you said, sometimes we're not on the same page at all. And we have to kind of take three or four steps back. So I agree that folks sometimes sigh with that question. And I agree, it's really important. I also then kind of want to move into the discuss part. And I'm just going to acknowledge that I think when I learned this model for the first time, it was ask, tell, ask, and you have modified it to ask, discuss, ask, which again, do you think you're going to tell us we should share our observations, but kind of continue to remind ourselves that this is a discussion is a really nice part of, of your mnemonic. So what goes into the discuss? Yeah, I think the discuss is where you insert your prepare. So kind of, I saw X, Y, Z, you might pause for learner input on that. You can also say something like that gave me the impression ABC or made me think, made me feel whatever it is. Again, just sort of owning that as a direct observation and as your opinion and your experience of what happened rather than you're you're nervous. Try not to be so nervous. Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) it's just not helpful. Um, I think if you tell your observation and what the impression it made on you, it invites a discussion because there might be something else going on there that you've alluded to. So is the second ask to ask them to react to kind of what you've put on the table or what's the second ask? Yeah, it's again to sort of make sure that we have a shared understanding of what happened and what we think it means and then go forward, you know, to that sort of setting yourself up for a plan together. One way that you can ask that is, you know, do you have any questions about what we just talked about? Or um, another way is how does that land with you? What do you think about that? Um, if it is, if it is a little bit less of a conversation, but more of sort of like a, um, discussion about you needed to do a little bit more to get to the same page. (laughs) Yeah, I understand. And I think we should acknowledge there are times when you have to like put some stuff on the table and, and that can be one of the challenges. And I'm going to get to a couple of challenges in a minute, but, but let's just talk about plan together. And I guess that probably is exactly what the words are, which is kind of figuring out kind of moving forward as a collaborative activity. Maybe you want to add to that. 
Yeah, I mean, this is where, um, to the extent that you can then again, pull in some prepare about what you know the trainee's working on, what they want to be learning, what you told them is a good a skill to gain from your learning environment, and just thinking about how they want to do it differently and doing that together. To the extent that you can make it relevant to that person and what they've told you is meaningful to them, the better, the more likely it is to be received as like, I'm here in your corner to help you grow in the ways that you have told me you want to grow. Mm-hmm. And to the extent that they can come up with whatever it is, again, way more meaningful and more likely to be followed through on. But, you know, occasionally there is just something that like, wow, this person did something way out of left field and I don't think they should do it this way. That may be the case. Or they really, you know, sometimes they do kind of draw a blank because obviously they would have done it that way if they had thought of it. Um, And so then sometimes you can share something like one of the ways I've found useful or over the years, what I've learned is this can be helpful. Um, So again, like framing it again is like, this is a process we all go through. And here are some tips I have that have helped me be successful because I'm here to help you be successful. Yeah. So I think tie it to their learning goals wherever possible, help them to come up with the plan if you can. But if you, you know, can't always do that, help with some guiding ideas and also continue that creating that space that says like, I learned this too, or we've all learned this, or lots of people learn this. And I, I like those things. Okay. So prepare lots of prepare and then the adapt part of it is, uh, I think, nicely delineated. I like the mnemonic. I can never remember a mnemonic ever, but I think this one is a good one to kind of come back to and, and really focusing on that collaborativeness and the, the listening part of it is really important. Yeah. And I'll just say that although it's not necessarily obvious, this model kind of has psychological safety built in. So you've got the prepare with set expectations, you've got ask, discuss, ask with invite participation, and you've got plan together with sort of responding productively. And I was quite proud of myself when I discovered that. (laughs) I can't say it was intentional, but it gives me um, reassurance that I do think this is a useful model. And to your point about like, I can never remember a mnemonic, how many should I really have to remember in my life? If you can't remember the mnemonic, try maybe the three things of psychological safety, because, you know, one or the other is probably going to get you pretty close to what we're describing today. I love that. That's great. And I love that, that it's like connected to what we talked about last month, which is so important. Okay. Two last questions for today. I think that a lot of people avoid giving feedback because it is uncomfortable and because they're worried about stuff happening. So I'm going to start with two of the things that I hear about the most. And and get your thoughts on those two challenges. The first one is, I have so much stuff to tell this person. I'm overwhelmed by the things that I think are on the list of things that that probably I should give feedback on. So what is your advice for the person who's like, I've just got too much stuff? Yeah. I mean, my overarching advice is pick one or two at a time. It's not going to go well for you to try. It's not going to go well for you. And it's going to be extremely overwhelming for the trainee to try to put too much into one conversation. I think sometimes too, you can consider like, is there a theme here that I want to touch on rather than the individual things that happened that can be helpful, but really focusing on what's your priority. It's also worthwhile focusing on what was their priority that they told you and trying to couch it um, in terms of like, this is what you said you wanted. And I'm here to help you do that. I think the other thing is to just, like we talked about, do it 
over and over in really small bites. And, you know, if you give it frequently and you also include some reinforcing, like, I loved how you did this, um, again, with all of the same specificity and planning that you sort of mentally did before for the, you know, more constructive change focused feedback, it's, it's very helpful to just sort of give them the little ones that make each one less high stakes. Yeah. So prioritize or really like parse it into little chunks and kind of have it happening on a regular basis helps. And then we haven't said this at all in two podcasts. So I want to just amplify something you just said, which is, and do this with the reinforcing feedback all the time as well. We know that that's super important for people to be able to kind of hear the other stuff. And I, what I heard you say was be just as specific about the behavior. And, and I actually, this is one of the things I like, enjoy the most is try to think of like how to be really specific about the behaviors that I saw that I want to reinforce. And, you know, I I just did this on rounds the other day. I saw the, the intern intentionally not tell me a bunch of stuff. And I said, I just want to reinforce how awesome it was that you decided not to tell me all those other things that have no bearing on the current problem. And you made a clinical decision that I didn't need to know that right now. You know it. I know, you know, it, you didn't tell me about it. And that was a really good decision in that situation. Like being explicit and specific on the reinforcing feedback is so important. So I feel like we didn't say that before. So I just want to amplify what you said. It is. It's really helpful. If you think about someone who's a novice in our environment, they don't know. They have no idea potentially what they're doing well and what is not going well. And especially if you haven't told them what your expectations are, how, what you define success it's extremely overwhelming. They really, you know, the reinforcing feedback is hugely important to just as much as the change focused feedback. Okay. So that was a little tangent. Uh, My original question was like, what if you have so much? And I think we have some good strategies on that. Last challenge, which I think is honestly the challenge that stops people from giving feedback the most. And that is, I'm worried the person's going to be defensive or that conversation's not going to go well. So What is your advice to folks who say, I'm worried that the person's going to get really defensive or I've tried before and they got really defensive. Yeah, that's it's hard. I think I have sort of tried in my mind to reframe defensiveness, like what's actually happening with this defensiveness. And I think of it as kind of more information for me. So Maybe I have, again, assigned a judgment to something without providing the observed behavior. And so they are providing an alternative explanation, right? They're trying to avoid like reframe or re-inform the binary framing that maybe we mentally had. So one one way to see if it is kind of additional contextual information, additional information about what the trainee feels like the meaning of this interaction was and Uh, Again, like here, a good trick is to just sort of think about the what and not the why and to listen, to to hear what they're saying. Sometimes they just want to make sure that, again, that you have a shared understanding of what happened. It also might mean, again, don't have a shared understanding of what happened. And then I think it's worth considering if you're hearing defensiveness, whether this person has a growth mindset or not, and whether this person is feeling like they're in a space where it's safe to have made some type of mistake. And have you really done that podcast one groundwork of the psychological safety to make it okay for them to be in a place of you know, discomfort about learning and needing to acknowledge that they didn't know something or something didn't go the way they might've wanted it to? 
And related to that, I think thinking about, you know, we get through training by being really smart and really good at things. And we've become a doctor because whatever that reason was for you. Sometimes the feedback, again, in someone who's not so growth mindset focused is really poking holes to them in a identity. And so that's very stressful for people. And I think just acknowledging that sometimes for that reason, someone might not be ready to hear something. I think that's okay too. If they're not ready today, they're maybe going to hear it again, or they're going to reflect on it at another time. That's not right now. And they'll get it later. I really appreciate all that kind of like pausing and being curious, understanding kind of what might be stuff you didn't understand or didn't know or where someone is and, and how you may or may not have contributed to kind of where they are in that, that learning journey. Um, really lots of wisdom in that advice. Doesn't make it go away, but I think it helps in those moments for people. Yeah. All right, Addie, we've talked about a lot and I want to give you a last opportunity for one last pearl for people as they kind of wade into the waters of, of having these feedback conversations. You know, I think I'm going to end with the same message, honestly, that I ended the first podcast with, which is relationships. It's, it's really so much about relationships, about listening to each other, what your goals are, how you can all become better together. I think that's really number one. And these skills also, you know, keep in mind, this is here for the faculty Thrivecast for kind of work focus, but these skills work in all parts of our lives. And, you know, just kind of taking them as part of your life practice for interacting with other people in your life. I think there's some wisdom there to be had potentially. There are many things that I've taught myself to do in my teacher spaces or administrative spaces or my clinician spaces that I also bring to my spouse spaces. And so right, exactly. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it, but that is, yes. I <laughs> hear you. Parenting, probably pets. I don't know. I don't have any, but yeah. <laughs> well, I totally agree with you. So lots here uh, over two podcasts on a really important topic for us, as we just said, for the learners that we work with, but also just in all the domains of our life. So Addie, thank you so much for taking the time to spend with us over these two podcasts. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It was my pleasure. I'm confident that our learners, our learners, our listeners and learners <laughs> have, have learned a lot from, from these two podcasts. And I would encourage them if they want to listen to more podcasts, um, more episodes of Thrivecast, they can find them at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever they listen to their podcast. You can also find them at the UW School of Medicine faculty website at faculty.udubmedicine.org. Thanks for listening and have a great day.